we all know, alhamdulillah, we've heard the story, uh, your youth growing up, inshallah. But what I wanted to ask is, how do you now navigate through, you know, people asking you questions, they want to meet you, they want to sit with you. Some even may ask for your contact details. How do you navigate through all of this? Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. You can drop my number down, inshallah, guys. And uh, it's fine. They can be in contact. It's okay. Mashallah. No, no, no. On a more serious note, my beloved brothers and sisters, that's a very, very interesting question. As time has passed, obviously responsibilities have grown. Uh, more and more people are aware of the work that I do. But I think what people need to remember is I'm not the only person on earth that they could actually get help from. And I'm a human being with a very limited capacity. So I won't be able to meet everyone. I won't be able to talk to everyone personally. I won't be able to communicate with everyone and so on. In fact, it's just a small number of people. How would you expect me to meet the thousand odd who are here this evening, it would require four hours minimum. And I think in the excitement, people forget that it becomes so difficult and it's really exhausting. I give it my utmost. I do the best I can and then I have to have a cutoff. So sometimes people feel offended when I haven't given the time or as a human being, I've got to excuse myself or if I say, I won't be able to. One of the sneakiest things to do is just to meet me randomly somewhere and say, uh, sorry, Sheikh, what's your number? And you're holding your phone like I'm going to just say it. You know? So what we've done is we have an admin's number. That's the number that will go out. And then if it is felt that I need and it's only me who can solve the matter and so on, perhaps it might get to me. From the emails I receive, I can only respond a few to a few a day. Admin responds to some, I would respond to some, sometimes it's uh, diverted to me. If it's a follow-up email, perhaps I would get to see it. It becomes very difficult because I don't want to go into numbers, but in the thousands there are similar requests every day from so many mosques, so many organizations, so many charities, so many people, and all of them are good causes and everyone means well. But as a human, we are so restricted. So I also wait for Jannah to say that inshallah, there, there will be no limits, no restrictions. You, can, you won't even need my number because you just have to think about it. I think about it and next best thing we're talking, mashallah. So it is very difficult. And uh, one of the worst things, if I can say it, is to take pictures of others while they're eating. That, for me, is very offensive. If we're eating, you know, we're... Uh, I, I, I don't eat more than once a day, basically, on most days. And, you know, you're stuck into your food and sometimes you have a morsel, you're chewing, and some people are busy taking pictures or videos while you're eating. I think that's rude. Secondly is when a person's with his family, give them their space. It's okay. From a distance, you can acknowledge, you can see. If not, pray, pray for them and move on. Not just me, even others. Be considerate. They're with their family. It's time because... Uh, you're asking me how I navigate. I can tell you my family finds it even more difficult sometimes because a simple, you know, going out to the shops. Yes, if I'm alone, it's okay. But if, if I have my family with at least respect them, you know, you can say, Salam Alaikum and move on. But now 
every other person wants to stop you and, and then they say this guy is arrogant because now he's a, he thinks he's a big deal because look he's very famous. No, that's not true. I think you're not being considerate. The man's a human being. He has a very limited capacity and he's stretched it to its limits. Now give him his time as well. And that's why people say, oh, you're driving. Say, yeah, I, I like to drive myself. Oh, but you know, we can take you. I can do it. Say, no, that's the whole thing. I'm running away from people taking me because I don't want to talk all the way. I want to be on my own, my me time, think, re reflect, do my own dhikr, whatever else it may be. So it's really difficult. If you don't get a number, uh, don't be offended. If you send an email and you don't get a response, inshallah, try some other scholars. Try a different channel. Don't hold it against me. Uh, because honestly, it becomes extremely difficult, not because I don't want to, because I just can't cope. It's, you're a human being. I think it's fair to say that there's many ways of trying to get in contact with you, inshallah, and we hope for the best. But you know, you mentioned families. But before you say that, many ways of getting hold of me, but you don't have to get hold of me in the sense that, alhamdulillah, you can get hold of someone else. And your, your job would still be done, perhaps. And if you really feel it's extremely important, then you can try. Inshallah, it, it may happen. I mean, sometimes miracles do happen, a lot of the times. And you end up seeing something and giving it importance, and you realize, wow, alhamdulillah, thank Allah, I didn't miss this. And I must have missed so many brilliant opportunities, but it's all in, in Allah's hands. I mean, we try our best. Jazakallah, you were saying? Yes, yeah, so you mentioned families. And um, a lot of us in this audience, being from uh, a certain area of the world, they may relate to this. This is one of the questions that came through. If families have agreed for marriage, but culture dictates, or let's say the, the elder daughter has to get married first, leaving the younger siblings, how, how would one tackle that? Uh, that's wrong. To wait for, look, in an ideal, the elder one and then the next and then the next, we would like it that way, but there's no rule in Islam. It's got nothing to do with your sustenance or what's known as rozi or kismat, you know. In reality, it's the same as a business. I mean, if the first guy didn't do well in his business or hasn't yet gotten a job, does it mean the second one must keep rejecting jobs until the first one gets a job? It's the same thing. It's also sustenance, different type of sustenance. So the, the, the oldies are a little bit uh, too cultural in this and they end up kicking sustenance that Allah's brought to their door. You have a brilliant proposal for your third daughter and you reject it, kicking what Allah sent to your door simply because one and two don't have it and community will actually talk maybe. Nowadays they don't talk because they all go through the same thing. And even if they do, it's just, uh, it lasts a few days. You have to look into what has come for whomsoever it has come. If they are of marriage age and they are keen on that marriage, let it be. You are sinful if you block it, claiming that, well, wait for the older one. No way. No, Allah who created you did not say that. The Messenger وسلم, did not say that. So if you do that, you pay a price for it later on. May Allah Almighty protect us and our offspring and those who are going through this type of a crisis. Barakallah. Ameen, ameen. Um, another question we had, Sheikh, was could you advise on reverts feeling rejected by the Muslim community, maybe not as a whole, but a Muslim community after their shahada? I have said that usually we offer a takbir as a person declares shahada. 
right? And we think as an ummah, what we owe them is Allahu Akbar, and that's it. After that, they want to get married? No. They want to come to the masjid, you look at them with skepticism. They, they try to interact, you don't want. So what was the takbir all about? You'd rather not have said the takbir and embraced them and let them feel a part of community and society, guide them and, you know, help them. They have lonely Eids. We have Eid in the park. And, I, and I've met so many young boys and girls who say that I thank you for, for being here because I have no family anywhere near. And now I've met family, meaning this, the Eid in the park where the whole Ummah gets together. Ummah as a family. Happy Ummah as a family is part of the, the song that that is sung on the advert for that Eid in the park. That's right? right, yeah, that's right. So it is a family of the Ummah. And if they feel that way, imagine if you have a problem, you're unwell, if your family's rejected you because perhaps you've reverted. Wallahi, it's our duty to at least reach out to such people and reach out to the reverts, uh, look into their needs, communicate with them, invite them over once in a while, help them get married. One of the sicknesses we face those who were perhaps born Muslims or come from relatively cultural backgrounds refuse for their kids to get married to reverts at times because they think, well, this person's a revert. I want to tell you Abu Bakr anhu was a revert, Umar anhu was a revert, Uthman ibn Affan, the Sahaba were reverts. So if this old man or old woman was there, they probably would have rejected all these reverts, wouldn't they? But Allah forgive us. May Allah forgive us. If that person is a as a beautiful person, their deen is okay, their character is okay, and your child is very keen on it, then let it be. Let it be. Because if not, then you would be guilty of being from among those who would have rejected some of the companions of the Prophet, peace be upon him. I mean, Khalid ibn al-Walid accepted Islam later on after having caused a lot of damage initially. Does that reduce his value? If anything, he was known as the sword of, of, of Allah, you know. So may Allah help us all. My brothers and sisters, I, I seize the opportunity to, to ask every one of you to befriend at least one revert. That's a challenge. Every one of you should befriend at least one revert. If the Prophet ﷺ, at his time, the people of Medina took in one family, surely it's not too much for us to ask you to say, at least befriend one revert, see what their needs are, help them, make them feel at home, and inshallah, guide them. They may be still learning slowly but surely, but that's how it should be. I've befriended, oh, many, alhamdulillah. And to be honest with you, in my eyes, they get preference because they're probably purer than you and I. They accepted Islam later on. Their book started only when they declared their shahada. They had a clean slate. And my slate was long back. I must be having a lot of... Uh, you know, deletings in it, inshallah, through Tawbah. May Allah forgive all of us. You know what? That follows on to another question, inshallah, close to Tawbah. So we have a question. Uh, if I get a body piercing when I was not close to Allah, must I remove it after I repent? A body piercing or a tattoo or anything that you've done at a time when you were perhaps not uh, so practicing or not even Muslim, uh, if the tattoo is a permanent one, you know what? Uh, the minute you repent, you're forgiven. That's one thing you need to know. You repent. The, the, the effects of it is still on you. You may have to live with it for a long time. It may be beyond your budget to change it, number one, or not healthy. It might be dangerous to actually remove something. 
If that is the case, you will have to struggle or suffer looking at that thing. And maybe a comment or two from ignorant people who are judgmental. But in the eyes of Allah, you are forgiven. In the eyes of Allah, it's deleted. If you can correct it, correct it. If you cannot correct it, it's okay. Because Allah knows your struggle. But don't think for a moment that you are not forgiven. I've seen a lot of people sometimes go for Umrah. And when they go for Umrah, mashallah, you can see all the tattoos and everything. Because the men, mashallah, you know, the ihram uh, during tawaf shows one massive shoulder, alhamdulillah. And, uh, and then you have people say, Astaghfirullah. I say, no, you've got to say, Labbaik Allahumma Labbaik. It's not Astaghfirullah. May Allah forgive us. Ameen, Ameen. Um, <clears throat> clothing, you know, it swiftly moves on, inshallah. A question is, how do you make your headscarf so pointy? I thought you were going to ask me about clothing of the people and the children and so on. <laughs> You're asking about my headscarf. <laughs> I mean, it is very pointy. Well, you can try it out. Slice your hand, bro. Mashallah. Mashallah. It's just my, my sort of headbutt mechanism, you know. Mashallah. May Allah bless you. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Uh, we had a little question. Do you really want to know? Yeah, I do think... Do you guys I... really want to know? Subhanallah. Okay, so it's basically a type of uh, uh, headgear. It's, it's called a shimar, uh, which is the Arabic of it. Uh, this type, the one that I've got on right now. And... There is a little spray that you get, a start spray that you get, that you can you spray on it as you're ironing it. Uh, and then you iron it so it, it remains crisp and it sits on the head correctly. So it doesn't really go down. Uh, if, you, if you sweat a lot or if it's very hot or if it rains, it will probably flop again, which is fine. But you can re-iron it with a little bit of a start spray, that's all. There's no, no big secret to it. It's just something that some people don't know. Yeah? So inshallah, you guys, uh, also the quality of scarf makes a difference. Sometimes uh, if it is something that, you know, is not, uh, does not starch up correctly, it won't, inshallah. The one I've got on is normally called Al-Bassam. That's the brand name. I'm not advertising for them, but it's just a fact, okay? Alhamdulillah, Jazakallah khair. Sheikh, we had a lot of question about cats. Alhamdulillah, apparently we have a lot of cat lovers uh, in our audience. One of them is right here. Okay. Okay. So, are cats pure? This is one of the questions. Yes. Cats are definitely pure. I mean, that's the hadith says, Innaha min You know, when the Prophet ﷺ, uh, declared that they're not najis, they're not unclean, they're actually pure. So, if they, uh, they, they will uh, roam around you, so it's fine. If they come in, go out, your, your prayer mat, your house, they generally are clean they keep themselves clean when they want to uh, I was about to say use the bathroom but what I mean is when they have to uh, excrete for example they would go into their own little tray or they they have a little bit of that uh, in, in intelligence so they are pure Alhamdulillah I think I saw a video of you and your cat is it minky or yeah they're not my cats yeah it was supposed to be Menki, but they made it minky mashallah so that's fine Alhamdulillah. not my cats my kids cats Mashallah. Mashallah. Barakallah. We lost them a few times, but we found them always. <laughs> I was hoping they didn't, but they did. <laughs> you know, uh, this is a good lead-up question. Like, for myself, I'm a father of three, and uh, my young, my, I've got a son. He's seven, going on, going to be older now. Mashallah. For me, it's always um, difficult to comprehend how am I going to keep a connection with him when he grows older. 
You now, as a father. You, me as a father. Yeah, now, I think we have the similar concerns. Now, but I've seen you and I've seen how the youth connect with you and also some of your own kids. How do you connect with all these kids? How do you keep it fresh, the connection with them? I think to make them feel always important. That's what it is. Make them feel important. Look at them, smile at them. Good guys, I mean, look at this youngster looking at me, mashallah. Very important. I mean, to me, if he were to ask me something yesterday, I was somewhere in London, and uh, normally, like I said, we don't like pictures while we're eating. It's, it's, it's not, it's rude. So we had a kid or two come and say, are you Mufti Menk or something and whatever? And I was busy eating and I saw these little kids, cute kids. They could have been anyone's children. Children are generally innocent. I say generally because some are not, mashallah. What I mean is they can really cause it for you, subhanAllah. They, they know sometimes what they're doing. But anyway, generally children are innocent. So what they do, what, what these kids did is they came on and, and then someone tried to explain to them, no, 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 go away. And, and then the father was trying to say no. So I said, no, bring them back. They made it here. I'm not going to chase them away. Give them a nice big hug. Take a picture. Break your rule. It's okay. It's fine. It's just a child. They're going to go back with the memory to say, you know what? I got to this guy. They chased me away and I went off. That's it. You busted for the dean because you're holding the dean. Do you get what I mean? So what I did is I smiled. They gave me such a lovely tight hug. I could feel the love in it. I was so happy that I did that and I would have anyway. And we took a picture and then the other brother comes and we did the same thing. We broke the rules for both of them. And when the adult came, they told him, you buzz off. That was fine. Mashallah. Allah bless all of us. But so it's not, it's not easy. That connection is very, very important. Communication. Listen, understand, try to appreciate. And you know, when they do something good, appreciate it in a massive way so that when they have done something bad, your silence itself is a punishment. Meaning it's like a reprimanding for them because they know, uh oh, I think I've done something wrong. Times have changed. And you know, the children are very... Uh, different. They have a lot of access to so much across the world. They have access to good and bad at a very early age. To discipline them is a whole new ball game. But to connect with them, you need to communicate, talk, express your love. Look at them no matter what has happened. You look at them, you express your love, you tell them how gorgeous they are, tell them how good looking they are, tell them all this connects you with them. But the minute you're going to ignore them, you have a problem. May Allah make it easy for all of us. We have a mammoth task. Allah make it easy. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> okay, Sheikh, my next question, it's a little bit, uh, a bit serious, right? Now, all of us at some stage of our life have faced criticism. And sometimes we deal with it in the right way. Sometimes we don't. Someone like yourself, um, obviously, we all love you for the sake of Allah, but also sometimes you might get criticized as well for certain things. How do you deal with this? I think the criticism is not point, not, 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 not one percent, but it's loud. It's loud. And you know what? It's okay. It's healthy. It's good. It's fine. And the people who want to fall in its trap, it's okay. You don't have to please everyone all the time. And if you know something that you want to do and you you have to pay the price for it. It's okay. You pay it. For as long as you're right, it's between you and Allah. A few people will dislike you, but they don't know you. And a few may love you beyond what is even okay sometimes. I've had some crazy people who, who like sort of irritate you with the amount of love that they want to display. But 
yes, I, I've arrived at a stage. In fact, from earlier on, it's okay. I, they can criticize. They can say what they want. It's fine. It's not easy for everyone, but I think uh, what hurts is when someone who knows you, when someone who's close to you does that, then it's a little bit painful because you know this person means so much to me. Look what they've done. It has happened a few times uh, where you have a person you look up to as perhaps someone who taught you something. And they're the ones who criticize. And then you start thinking to yourself, oh, no, man. You know, they could have asked me. They could have come to me. They could have dealt with it differently. But it happens. Otherwise, sometimes it's healthy. And I think, uh, you know, I, I can actually think of a few examples in my life where something has happened. And suddenly you face an onslaught of things. And then you tell yourself, you know what? It was good that at least the ummah felt that, okay, this was something wrong. Here's the backlash of it. And this is what happened. So the ummah is alert and awake and it's watching and it sees. So in a way, there is a benefit from it, Habibi. And guess what? If criticism comes and they are right, change yourself. I've done it. Change yourself. It's okay. If it came in the worst possible form, a guy swore you big, big swear words, but the one sentence of correction was correct. Take that and excuse the rest. You know, I want to just share something with the audience. I, I've mentioned it twice, but I want to say it for a third time because this is a question. A few days ago, last week was it, we were at some event, and after the event, a youngster came to me outside and says, can I have 30 seconds of your time? And I was on my way out and I was about to leave, but it's okay because you know 30 seconds you're going to give, and you're going to give a lot of people, it becomes a lot. But I saw he's on his own, he looks like a good lad, and inshallah let me, I said, no problem. He says, can you step aside with me? No problem, step aside with him. And then he, he said, you know, Sheikh, I have really said a lot of bad things about, and I stopped him there. What does he want to say to me? He's built the courage to tell me that I've backbitten about you or I've said bad things about you, and I want you to forgive me. That's what he wants to say. Before he finished his sentence, I said, listen, just stop exactly there. I want to tell you two things. Number one. I have forgiven you for what you did before you did it. It's okay. I don't, I'm a man who doesn't hold it. And seriously, I don't. I've forgiven you for whatever was said and even before you did it. And the second thing is, if you ever have to do it again, please do it. Did you hear what I just said? If you ever have to do it again, please do it. Subhanallah. He must have looked at me and said, this guy is being sarcastic. I said, no, and I'm being serious. Number one is forgiven, and number two is, meaning number one is forgiven before you did it. And anyone else, they want to say something bad. Why? Why? So now I want to explain it. The reason is, we are where we are because of, of a package of things that Allah's allowed us to go through. One of them is the criticism or the backbiting or the hate. Without that hate and criticism and backbiting, you would not be where you are. If that's what got my boat floating, wow, let it be. It was Allah who floated the boat, not them. Do you get the point? Their criticism will not sink my boat ever. It's Allah who can sink your boat without criticism. So never mind. I mean, if someone said that uh, to make this cake, I had to put uh, two pinches of salt. And the other guy says, well, salt is a little bit, it's not, don't put it in the, ne the next time you make it. But I want the same cake. You've got to add the salt into it. So without that, you know what? Perhaps we wouldn't have been where we are today. And we have to thank Allah. Not to say that I've arrived at the moon or anywhere, but Alhamdulillah, 
it's part of life. You have to take it and don't hold it against them. I mean, I know I'm, it, it's good you've raised this because it could be motivation for others. Don't worry about criticism of the criticizer. It's okay. It's mostly about them, not about you. It's mostly about them. It's their insecurities, their misunderstandings, their issues, their problems, their lack of foresight sometimes. Maybe they don't think like you. Whatever it might be, it's okay, fine. So that was a, a very interesting story. Yeah. You know, you mentioned something about motivation in what you just said. Now, you go around the world, meet, meet a lot of people. The book that we also have, uh, Motivational Moments. Based of Mufti Menk. Yeah? Based of, of Mufti Menk as well. Now... How, why did you get into that sector? Like, why did you concentrate on motivation? Motivation. Okay, that's a very interesting question. So, there are a million and one scholars out there, all of them doing tremendous work, all of them, mashallah, doing a lot of goodness, but each one is specialized in something knowingly or unknowingly. Some of them are teaching in the, in the school, some of them in the university, some of them in the madrasas, some of them are imams, some of them are freelance, some of them are in the hospital, some of them are wherever else they may be. And a lot of them are on the internet today and each one specializes in different subjects and different topics just like you have school teachers. And what I found over, over time is that there is so much pressure across the globe on the, on the young Muslim in most countries, tremendous pressure on them regarding their faith. Someone needs to help them maintain that identity in a beautiful way that motivates them. Tonight we spoke, if, if we haven't motivated you to be steadfast and made you feel that identity of yours as a Muslim, we've failed. The whole aim of a motivational evening is to motivate you to remain on your deen, to be, to be hopeful about your Lord, because there is hopelessness across the globe. Who is dealing with it? Who is there to make a weak Muslim, who is struggling with his or her faith, to stay on the deen and don't give up, because a lot are giving up. So I thought of it and I said, well, you know what? I don't want to say no one's doing it, but perhaps I haven't seen many doing it. I want to do it on a large scale and I don't care if someone says you're, you're not teaching this and you're not teaching that. I leave it for you, brother. I leave it for you. you. The subject you want me to teach, you can teach it. Or the others are already teaching it. Come, let's see who's doing what I'm doing. You'll find very few. But mashallah, it's picking up. So we, we need to save drowning souls by diving into the ocean and helping them, convincing them to get hold of this beautiful life vest that we've just thrown at them. That's what motivation is all about. Otherwise, they would, my children, your children, young boys and girls who are here this evening, they could be struggling with their faith. What are you going to do? If you want to make them feel so non-Muslim, you would, and they probably would disappear. And they have other things that they could do that would, that would make them temporarily happy because they knew no better. Are you prepared as a father figure, as a senior, as an uncle to them, as an elder brother to them, to talk to them, to say, Allah loves you. Come, come, come this way. Allahu Akbar. That's where the motivation comes from. And that's why I don't mind being called a scholar, motivational speaker. Hey, it's okay. And I don't mind people attacking me that you don't teach this subject and that subject. We have, we have done, we shall do. We might not name it the way you're naming it, but it is included in what we're doing if, you, if only you're interested in listening long term. So we do address the subjects, but in our own unique way after studying what exactly needs to be done. 
So I'm not belittling in any way what others are doing, but they shouldn't belittle what we're doing as well. Amin. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. This question has been asked a few times, right? <clears throat> Mufti, how do you stay so young? <laughs> Meaning you look young. I know I don't. <laughs> <laughs> May Allah bless you, grant you goodness, Habibi. Uh, look, I'm going to tell you two things. That's just the blindness of the people. Number one, they can't see you age. But your kids can, your family can, everyone can. I'm a grandfather, I'm sure you're aware of that. And at the same time, many of my kids are actually married, mashallah. But the truth of the matter, I think if you watch carefully, I don't hold things in my heart, not at all. I don't even mind. You could have said what you've done. If I've disappeared or I've blocked someone, it's not because I'm angry or, or upset or something. We are human, we would probably to a certain level, but that level with me is, is not, it's not a, a matter of concern. Uh, leave it, let it be. Live your life, thank Allah for everything and keep going, keep going. And I think uh, maybe that might have contributed towards uh, making you look a little bit less than what, what your age actually is. You know, how old do you think I am? They will guess correctly. Oh, they've just Googled it quickly. Okay, let's not say anything. Wikipedia lies, by the way. Wikipedia lies. That's a, that, that's a fact. Sorry. That's a fact. So don't believe everything you read online. Yes, Habibi. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. I think it's been a very nice, comfortable chat we've had with you. Uh, it's really opened my eyes a lot as well, mashallah. Now you can see my correct age, right? Well, uh, I'll leave it to everyone to decide, inshallah. But you know what? You can tell us. Another good thing is uh, when I was young, my dad used to always correct the expression on my face with his finger. That's a fact. So whenever I used to scrunch my face, he used to put his finger between my eyes here, and he used to say, don't do that. He used to always say, don't do that. I said, but why? He says, and he said, you'll have lines on your forehead very quickly. And so if you notice my expressions, a lot of the times I'm either smiling or I, I just have a straight face. Subhanallah. That might have helped, thanks to my dad. So it's a quick piece of advice. You guys, a bit too late in the lives of some, right? But you can still try, mashallah. Finger on the forehead, alhamdulillah. Um, brothers and sisters, I've got a special one announcement for you today, alhamdulillah. We've started this last Monday. And uh, today is the following Monday. You know what? I'm just going to ask Mufti to introduce you, inshallah. Talking about the Umrah? I am talking about the Mashallah. Umrah. My brothers and sisters, you know, we've been through COVID. We've been through a time where uh, there were challenges, lockdowns. Uh, we can actually say they were unprecedented times that we've been through. A lot of people have struggled, have lost loved ones, jobs, health, wealth, so much, so much. And now that things have opened up and people would like to travel and go forth, I think the best place to go would be for Umrah, to Mecca and Medina. So Iman Channels convinced me to join the trip that they have arranged mid-Feb because there seems to be a mid-term break, I think, in this part of the world. So just for those nine, ten days, I think, in February, we, I've agreed to join the group, inshallah, for Umrah. So whoever would like to join us, I'm sure there would be 
QR codes on the screens there that you can actually register your interest through and perhaps even book your space. There will be limited spaces, but inshallah, I've agreed to it simply because we, it's about time we reconnected, rejuvenated, built that hope once again, motivated ourselves, inshallah, to do the right thing. And we would like to be people who are, you know, guided in the right way, inshallah, so that we can get closer to Allah without being kicked. May Allah make it easy for all of us. Shukran, Sheikh. We'd like to thank you for your time, inshallah. Brothers and sisters, please do remember that this is a limited spaced uh, Umrah trip. Inshallah, it's going to be a five-star trip. Uh, we're going to have two Jummas in both places, Makkah and Medina. We'd like to thank uh, Mufti Menk again, once again, inshallah, for the time, inshallah. And uh, on TV as well, brothers and sisters, you are free to also um, scan this code as well. We'd like to thank you as well and say salams to you on Iman channel, Sky 757. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.